dude, listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. So, in Africa, uh, in um, where in Africa? I don't, I don't remember. It's not important to the story. So, in Africa, they uh, these uh, people find this cave. What people? It's not important to the story. It doesn't matter. I think they're explorers or something. So they find this cave in Africa. When did this happen? I don't remember. It's not important to the story. If none of it's important to the story, I'm just going to go ahead and take a nap. No, I mean, it doesn't. Listen, it was some part of Africa. I think it was North Africa. And these explorers, maybe British or something, found this cave. Anyway, so they found this cave. They were looking for something else. Don't even ask. I don't know. It's not important to the story. But they were looking for something else, and they found this cave, and they went in there. And it was not just a small cave. It was the size of a whole city. And it was a city. It was this underground civilization that had never been seen before. And uh, among the many intriguing things about it is there's so there was no sunlight in there. How'd they live? And so because there was no sunlight, they had a very different idea of time how did they live so they would instead of having days so a lot of our concept of time comes from the sun coming up and that cyclical thing but to see if you don't have that if you live in like a cave or something then that can go away and you realize that the idea of there being a, a cycle to time like that is not necessarily something that's set in stone you can experience the universe in a different way without keeping track of time like that and then it comes, and it becomes more concentrated, almost like a, a, a eternal eternity. You know, the, the the moments become greater, and so they had this whole civilization that was based on that idea. So everything was quite different. You know, there was no calendars or anything like that. How do they live? What? Without sunlight? I don't know. They used. I think there was some kind of metal or some kind of thing that you can use that gives you. The same as the sun. What, vitamin D or anything? What do you need for the sun for? What do you need the sun for? you got to grow plants and everything to eat and live. Yeah, but I mean, what if there was stuff to, there was stuff to eat down there, like shrimp? So they'd eat blind shrimp. Well, that's not bad. Just shrimp, though. I don't know. Fries. Yeah, potatoes don't need... Just think about that. You could have shrimp, fried shrimp and chips... All day long without any sun and everything. So that's amazing. Can you believe that? And this is a civilization that they were not able to find for a really long time. Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty good. I got one. So, dude, you're not going to believe this. This is incredible. So this guy got a letter from the past. That is literally every letter. No, 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 no. I don't mean that. I mean, he got, it was from the distant past. What, did it get lost in the... I don't know. They don't know how it wasn't around for so long, but he received a letter. I don't know. Let's say it's the, in the, it was the 80s and 90s, but it was from the 20s. Yeah. And, but it was to him. Oh. It wasn't just somebody with the same name? No. See, that's the crazy thing. So this guy, let's say his name is John Jacob um, Jingleheimer Smythe, and he gets... So, my point being, not a common name, all right? So, he gets this letter, and it says to John Jacob Jingleheimer Smythe, go, 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 such and such address, such and such and such and such and such. So, he gets this letter, he opens it up, and he takes it out, and it's old. Yeah? And it's got stuff in there that is about what's going on now, with the guy, you know, it says you're working at this electronic store. I don't know, he was at one of the last Radio Shacks, I think. And it was like, you're one of the last Radio Shacks. Except it was written in the 20s. And so it was, um, fountain pen? Fountain pen, right. Not normal. Whatever you're right with now. Which is what, jail tip? Something. So, but, and they never, he never figured out. They think maybe it was a time traveler going back, or maybe he went back and wrote to himself and said, you know, in the future, you're going to work at the Radio Shack. Yeah, but he already knew he was working at the Radio Shack. Yeah, but not, he didn't in the twine. I don't know, but it's spooky. I'll give you that. It is spooky. Listen to this, though. 
Dude, you are not going to believe this. This really happened. It didn't literally happen to me. It happened to a friend that goes drinking with this guy. But anyway, there's this guy, and he had this terrible temper. And he's out on the golf course, right? And he's he's uh, misses a shot. He, he duffs it, right? You know how it goes. You, you hit a shot. You think it's going to be good. And off it goes in. So he takes his golf club, and he throws it up into the air. He breaks it first. Did I mention that? No. He broke it first. And he threw it up in the air, and when it came down, it impaled him. It impaled him right through the heart, and he died instantly. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? You're going to think I'm crazy, but I think I remember reading about that. I remember when that happened, too. That one, I think, is true. It is not true. I just made it up. No, I swear that happened. It just, no, it didn't. I just literally made it up just now. Why'd you do that? You're supposed to say true stuff. None of this stuff is true. Yes, it is. Listen, dude, you're not going to believe this. Now, this is absolutely true. I love doing this, and this is, I will tell you, I'm going to tell you something that is factually true, all right? But then I'm going to say something that's not factually true and put it on there. Like, why am I telling you that? Maybe you ate one of these truth tablets that I've been saving. Dude, you're not going to believe this. There's this guy that makes truth tablets. Well, see, none of this is happening. What are you doing? Hardy, what are you doing over there? Oh, I'm playing dude. You're not going to believe it. I love doing that. I want to tell stories. I'm thinking, what are is fascinating? I've been watching uh, some YouTubes and some podcasts, not all the way through. I don't want to listen to them all the way through because I'm afraid what will happen. You know, uh, I'll be programmed to do something. As it is, it's very scary that I feel the need to take everything that I, I used to just record as a plain memory and give it to the information robot, to the big connected robot. And it's so strange to get home at the end of every day. Tell me what you did with your day. In fact, what's better, show me. Feed me images and sounds of your experience. All right, robot, here they are. Upload them into me. Mm. <laughs> that feels good. I am consuming your memories. It's eating our memories. Oh, our memory. What do our memories taste to it? Like to it, to little marshmallow pieces, like in cereal. Can you imagine if that was it? You wouldn't. How could you begrudge it? Say, there's going to be this robot, and it's going to eat everybody's memories. You go. That sounds terrible. That's like a Twilight Zone. No, it's not good enough to be a Twilight Zone. It's an Outer Limits, but still. And it's going to eat everybody's memories. Well, why? Because they taste like these delicious vitamin fortified. And that's the key, too, because that takes a lot of the guilt out of it. Little marshmallow bits in cereals, such as, but not including, Lucky Charms, Booberry. Frankenberry. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think Kaboom did. Oh, it would have been so much better if it did. And I don't believe King Vitamin. They should have gone on with King Vitamin really wanted to compete with Captain Crunch. And Captain Crunch was doing all sorts. He was diversifying. Because I'm going to do this flavor. I'm going to cinnamon crunch. He'd become different people. He goes, now nah, I'm a pirate. That was scary. I didn't like that. I didn't mind when he was an old-time sailor. But then they would introduce pirates and everything. And I was old enough to realize that, that pirates had, in the 20th century, undergone a whitewashing, a terrible uh, toning down of their reputation and, and because of the motion pictures. And now is nothing more than a costume. Something that was uh, horrible and terrible is now just... Fancy dress. So I was against that. And I think, oh, you're, they're using pirates and everything to, why not just, you know, why not like Viet Cong or something? I don't know. Why, why I don't understand what they think we think pirates are. Oh, there was these jolly fellows that uh, sailed the sea. And what'd they do? Oh, they rob and pillage and take your jewelry. Oh, it sounds kind of fun. No, how could that possibly sound fun? 
But King Vitamin was a cereal that did not diversify like that. It didn't go into any. It should have had all sorts of prints, this and the other. Prince Cinnamon would have been one. You could have gone the whole royal family with different flavors. Baron Blueberry. I'm not going to keep going because you know, you, you and I know you could keep going forever. There is a dearth of citrus flavored cereals. Although they identify the, the yellow, and they're really talking about the shade and not the flavors, lemon, yellow, orange, orange in uh, tricks. But I don't think they're actual fruit flavors. I defy you to eat one blindfolded and then say, oh, that's orange flavor. Tis not. It isn't. It isn't. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I don't want to be talking about cereals with you. I want to talk about something more intriguing or important. I feel like sometimes that at the beginning of the show, that a voice has told me, maybe a heavenly voice, an angel or something, or maybe the Lord, the, the above itself. I feel like no pronoun is good enough for the, the Lord. The Lord. Uh, um, but the message I felt was, this is a critical time. Oh, my goodness, save the world. Go on there and tell them the important news. And then I get on and I instantly forget to do that. And then an hour goes by and I'm talking about toilets and I'm talking about all sorts of things like that that have nothing to do with, say, what kind of, oh, what if an earwig got in your ear? And that's not something you need to, to know that will make your soul more whole. And maybe I could do that. What if I had the key to do that? And I've said that before. We had I know this from the discussion board because I said something about I have a brand new pair of roller skates and you have a brand new key. And I said I didn't understand that. And then there was a long discussion on the comment board about what a roller skate key was and how I was probably there was something wrong with me. And I understand that. And I'm just here to help. Listen, one form of helping could be, and I believe this uh, whether I should or not, and that is that I'm, I can be helping you by giving you an opportunity to help me. How about that? You don't think about that as very much as the when the uh, some, a good Samaritan is going by the road. I don't know if you know this. Uh, good Sam or Good Samaritan is in the Bible, and he had uh, these campgrounds throughout the U.S. This is the U.S. Bible. I did a Bible that's just... It's the regular Bible, but the places confound people, right? They read, they go, where is Ur? How, how can they be from Ur or something? I say, no, uh, it's, they're not from Ur. They're from uh, Atlanta or something like that. And I'll put an American city in there to help it just become more relatable. That's all. And so sometimes I'll say, oh, the Bible story, this one is set in. I mean, sometimes it overlaps like Philadelphia or something where they've got the, it's a Bible name. And, uh, and other times it's like, uh, you know, I don't remember stuff, Jesus being in Boca Raton. It's, Jesus was totally in Boca Raton at some point. Now, I'll tell you one thing. His powers did not work there necessarily. They did not, they did not work there. So I do this and I try, why bother? Money, money. I don't want to mess with anybody's beliefs like that. I thought I could sell some things and uh, some books or everything and be fun, just like a novelty. I'm from an uh, an era where they'd sell things like an empty book and go, "This is the the possibility book," and it's just empty, because everybody is a mark, really. And uh, there was other organizations like that too, where you could make it even more personable, and they would say. It's a multi-level marketing scheme using your already existing social network. So you can take all your friends and family and see them not just as relatives, but as possible customers. Customers? Customers, but not just customers. Customers whose lives you can change by not just selling them something, but selling them a way of life so that they can turn around and sell others. Would you like to learn how to do that? Not sell others, sell to others. Well, I don't know, though. Maybe that was a Freudian slip that was important that I make. So these schemes or these ways of living your life where I sell you protein shake mix and then you try to sell it. No one ever opens it. You just try to sell it to others 
And we all make money. We all, the rising tide raises all ships except for the last one. That's the pyramid uh, scheme. It's beautiful. Who's on the top of the pyramid scheme? And who's on the, it, this is how it works. Imagine the real pyramid. So at the very top, the little point, that's Bernie Madoff or wherever. That's the bad guy. Or that's Ponzi. That was a real man, Ponzi. And, and he was a real person. And he got the thing, he got the scheme named after him. You have to be first. He wasn't the first. That's the thing. That's the darn thing is that the person who did it first, you know, O'Malley's going, why is it called O'Malley? So Ponzi, uh, he, he, uh, uh, he's the top of the, of the pyramid. And then, you know, as the scheme goes down, it gets wider and wider and wider, wider and wider and wider, till at the bottom of the pyramid, it's actually sitting on this one poor schmuck who's under it. And I don't know what that, I don't know who he is. He takes on everybody's debt. And that's the, we call him in the scheme, we call him the Pharaoh. Call that Pharaoh's grave. If you're the last person in on a uh, multi-level marketing scheme, we say, you know, you're the Pharaoh. It's kind of ironic. They don't mean it as a, uh-oh, uh-oh. Ah, my goodness. That's the way things used to work. And that's not what I'm doing for you. That's why I don't want to give you anything, even, even wisdom. I mean, what if I was to give you something like that and you were to pass that on? What if we were starting something? What if we were lighting the fire of, the, of enlightenment, a beautiful fire of, of hearts, and it would catch on and say, I think that this world, people are possible to uh, 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 have a can do amazing things if they open their hearts and with compassion and they look to one another as uh, as equals and, and to lift one another up and we can do this and I say we're going to spread that out like that like wildfire like so I don't want to do that why do that don't do that because what if I get it wrong what if in that beautiful scheme of loving one another I have ap- accidentally embedded some sort of virus that's what I worry about, any kind of system, you know, that, that in, uh, in the love one another, there's going to be a pharaoh. There's going to be somebody buried under the heavy structure. There's someone that carries the burden of the, uh, of the, the joyful relief of others. You know, if you're not carrying it, who is, I wonder? You know, I will relieve you all of your burdens. Where do they go? Who totes them now? Are they just, do they just lay there on the ground? Do we need to drag them around? What are the burdens you're talking about? I don't know. That's why I don't want you to let go of them necessarily, because I don't know. My goodness. What if I were to cure you of something? Say, I want you to come to my healing ceremony. And I'm going to put my hands upon you, and I'm going to cure you of something. But what if the thing I cure you of is something that you need. What are you talking about? I don't know. What if, I mean, what if your disease correlates to something wonderful, especially if it's your personality? I always think about, say, oh, people say, I have a terrible personality. I got this and that other uh, challenges. It's all you, bless you. Oh, my goodness, I wouldn't take any piece of it out. There's no perfection or anything. It's all, we're all barely, barely. We're cobbled together. You know, so uh, there's no perfect way of functioning. There's no functioning. No one knows what we're doing or what we're supposed to do or what's kind. No, it sounds crazy. That can't be. It can't be like you say it is. Here's what I think. And you, you could say I'm wrong and maybe it's just me. And if it's just me, it's very telling, isn't it? You say, this fellow is really lost. But what if I'm about to say something that isn't just me. And I know it's not because everybody says it all in time. And that is this. Nobody really knows where we are, why we are here, who we are, what we're supposed to do, what's going on, whether things are really happening, whether things just happened, whether things are about to happen. Time is confusing and baffling, and existence is, and consciousness is absolutely the most ridiculous, puzzling state 
of dreamlike uh, confusion that I think anything could possibly be in. If uh, if I am wrong, then I'm sorry, and I probably need help or something. But I think I am correct. If I wasn't correct, I would wonder why everybody's working against their own interests all the time or that of others. It just seems so chaotic and, and blind, like not everybody's even in the same reality. I would believe that in an instance. I would believe that you're seeing, you might be seeing something radically different than I am. Like, I mean, like, you're in the bridge of the enterprise and I'm on a big field in Kansas. That's how different it could be. That's what I'm thinking. Because it just seems that way to me. If I'm judging by people's uh, emotional reaction and everything. Mainly I, what I pick up on is just fear. Anywhere I go, I sense it. I sense it everywhere I am. People uh, are, are doing a good job at, at tamping it down. But you know, I can, I can smell it. You know, fear. It's like you have a cat, don't you? No, no, I don't. You're afraid. I know you are. Be on the subway or something and go, man, everybody here's afraid. They say they're not. Well, that man, that lunatic might not be. But yeah, no, no, no. He's, they're all afraid. Everybody's afraid. I can smell it. It just smells like um, not ammonia. It smells like emotional ammonia or something. Oh, my goodness. I want to tell you more stories. Like, dude, you will not believe this. This is incredible. But what if I told you that there were, that uh, dinosaurs had hats? Not just rudimentary hats, like wearing a banana leaf on your head. I mean proper hats, like straight out of a haberdashery, but made for a dinosaur skull. So they fit correctly. And as you know, hats are the shape they are because of the shape of our heads. But what if our heads were shaped like dinosaurs? Hats would be a different shape. That's how we didn't see them at first. Now we know they're there. Now we know to look for dinosaur hats. And they're in all sorts of shapes. And they were absurdly, strangely large, some of them. That's why we don't recognize them. Say, why would a dinosaur wear a hat that's 10, 15 times the size of the dinosaur? And what kind of lightweight material must that be? And were they all wearing these huge bulbous headdresses? The answer is yes. And that we now know that. From what? Now, this is really going to blow your mind. Photographs. Photographs from the times of dinosaurs. Listen, hear me out. So the basic uh, principle behind photography is that you've got uh, a surface that has a light-sensitive chemical on it. Let's say silver or something, silver oxide. That's something you expose to light. If you cover up part of it, expose it to light, and then you process it or something, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see the the outline. You know, at the very least, well, you can make you can make photographs out of anything that's a surface like that that's exposed to light. So what happens? What we have are we have these um, walls of uh, mountains or caves. They were kind of uh, vertical, and they were this material that, I don't know, was some kind of silver or something, and what happens is that dinosaurs would walk by, and there would be a flash of lightning, and the lightning would uh, refract through these uh, crystal elements in the air, too. There was some sort of floating crystalline element. Focus it, and it would turn into a photograph on these rock sheets. Now, eventually these things tumble over, they fall down, and they're buried in the desert. And we dig them up years later, and we have these dinosaur photos, and most of them are wearing hats. And that confirmed it enough that we started to go back to the places that we saw dinosaur remains and started looking for the hats, and that's when they started finding them. And all sorts of materials. Some of them are made of materials that we believe are reversed engineered from fiction. I don't know if you know how that works. We do it now. We reverse engineer things from fiction. And the iPad is one of those things. And there was even a lawsuit about it. Because in Space, uh, not Space 1999 starring Barbara Bain. I'm sorry. 2001 A Space Odyssey. There were these things that looked like iPads. And so somebody who had knocked off an iPad said, listen, uh, you know, Apple doesn't own this idea. This idea has been around since Stanley Kubrick stole it 
from fiction and uh, reverse engineered it and made these for the movie. And a lot of them were, were when Kubrick went to the moon, he took a lot of them. So uh, these are things that we know. And is it, it's not information that's suppressed. A lot of times they'll suppress things by just discounting it, right? They'll make it, they don't bother to uh, censor the information. They just discredit it so much. And you think, well, why aren't they, they're not censoring it, but they're, they're poo-pooing it so much that it has poo-poo all over it. And then you can't use it because your perfectly good information has poo-poo on it. So being discredited is just, just as bad or worse uh, than being censored because it, sometimes being censored is an admission that you're correct. And uh, you never know, you know, it's like being gaslighted when they ignore you. So when I call up museums, and I do frequently, and I say, listen, I know a lot about dinosaur hats. I'd like to get in on the... I get treated like an idiot, or worse, a criminal. And one time, well, one time is because I've broken into the museum at night because of something I saw in a movie. And it turned out that what I saw was not true was not really happening and I felt um, stupid I felt misled and they have uh, programs now I think kids can spend a night in the museum you're going to get a lot of disenchanted kids and let me I'll give you an example of something that happened to Eddie Munster they're taking these children to museums at night I have a sleepover say it's night in the museum night kids and we're going to spend the night in the museum and and I guess they're planning on educating and taking around to exhibits at night. Now, these kids are going to have an expectation that a lot of these exhibits are going to become animated. All right? That if you see somebody like a former, like a lot of these museums, these natural history museums, inexplicably will have a figure of an ex-president. So you'd be looking, you go, oh, there's a woolly mammoth. Um... There's Tom Coolidge. I don't know. So, um, and then it doesn't happen, and the kids get, you know, like you're, you lied. So the Eddie Munster thing is, uh, Eddie Munster had this hero on TV named Zombo, and Zombo is played by Louis Nye, who we know, we love him from uh, Steve Allen's Tonight Show, <laughs> Louis Nye. And he was, uh, he was on Beverly Hillbillies, and just fantastic. Uh, we, uh, I think he's, he's not with us anymore, but he was for a really long time. And um, so he played Zombo, who was a sort of scary character who had like, hey, I'm a Zombo. And he had hair on his face and a big witch's hat and everything. And Eddie Munster, because the Munsters were ethnically monsters or something like that, identified with him. Say, so you're one of us. And then he found out he was doing Monster Face. And then he, Zombo was just uh, Louis Nye. And he wasn't a monster. He was just Jewish. And uh, Eddie went nuts. Eddie went nuts. And he started hitting. This, you know, this, now I'm thinking back. This is a really daring episode. And... Um, and I remember Herman hugging him and crying. and Well, that might not have been in it, but it should have been. I'm going to rewrite all that. They've just done a new one, I believe, because, you know, a lot of the nostalgia, there's nothing scarier than that. So when they bring that back, terrifying, you know. They tried to bring back Gilligan. I do, if you, if you actually did bring them back, meaning like just their, their remains and prop them up, dare you. I dare you to prop up the desiccated remains of Bob Denver on a uh, old Gilligan's Island set. Do it. Do it. Now, I don't think, I think I'd be pretty awful. But I think what, what I'm getting at is I believe that they do the moral equivalent of this often. And uh, you know if they could have a, a fake one, you know, virtual. They've tried that. They had a... This happened one time, and it's before all the AI stuff and everything. They tried to have um, a virtual Orville Redenbacher, 
just around the time of the uh, pa- um, what's that movie? The Panda Express, not the Panda Express, Polar Express, and um, they had this Orville Redenbacher. It was a <clears throat> little before the movie, but so they uh, Orville had died, and they um, they cremated him, and he popped. I think that's that old. It's like a Johnny Carson joke. So um, they wanted him. They loved him as a spokesman. They didn't couldn't accept his death, and so just Stephen King Pet Cemetery like, they made a virtual hymn from the computer, and it was terrifying, and that became a. A public discussion ensued on the expression uncanny valley because there was just something so real about this that it was dead inside. Its eyes were dead. It seemed demonic almost. It was beyond. uh, It was so deeply disconcerting. It made you want to never have popcorn again or, or, or vomit up popcorn made of flesh or something. It's just awful. Um, and it just backfired, you know, and they never did that again. And they never tried to bring back somebody who was too dead like that. And I'm surprised they didn't do it with Orson Welles because, you know, that they, they, you know, with like uh, wine or something, can you make, bring back Welles? But he's he's dead. He's quite dead. But and then you look into his. Oh, that'd be, don't do it. It's greed. Oh, it's greed. Or they'd let somebody else come in and and. Uh, do it. I always uh, thought that about academia. I go, they, you know, they would rather have that old professor, they would rather uh, shoot him up with the cells of uh, babies or something than they would just replace him with a younger person ever. There's some people that were just entrenched in jobs. I love it. I'm not ageist or anything, but goodness, sometimes if you have a job forever, Queen Elizabeth, you can really you know, I've, in many ways, I feel for her, for her son. You know, uh, especially if you're supposed to be being, replacing the parent in a business. Usually, it's plumbers, but sometimes it's a royal family. And you think, well, good God, I love the I love the dad's still alive, but you know, when's the last time that he appraised a house? Why is his name still? So that can be that can be frustrating for for children. I would love to. That'd be a wonderful way to like uh, just subtly mess up your kid's life is just live forever so they don't get any kind of inheritance just what what's wrong you know what's what what's bothering you kids uh nothing pop Uh, what birthday is it oh i'm gonna be 138 oh that's great i'm sorry i'm too old to come to your birthday party pop i know (laughs) um oh my goodness i think i'm gonna get a laugh track i thought about that because i was um I was watching this old clip of the show that the producers of Laugh-In did after Laugh-In. It's called Turn On. They've just posted a couple episodes of it on, on YouTube. And and it was, um, it's just, it's like Laugh-In without the laughing part. So there's no, uh, there's no laugh track or anything like that. And there's, there's no studio. It's all like white space. Um, so it's very surreal. And then the entire... Uh, the entire soundtrack is bloop blip malg synthesizer. So it's like that for a half hour. And then it's got Tim Conway and Chuck McCann and all like that doing these little fast rapid fire jokes. Well, I say jokes, but there's just not enough there for it to be a joke. They're just absurd little things. And I guess there's some kind of nugget of irony in them, but uh, who knows? And uh, I was watching that and I was thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, what's what's being conveyed? Is that me? Am I doing that on radio? Oh, I hope not. Oh, my goodness. I hope I'm doing something a little more down to earth. Not quite. Uh, home on the prairie well that was pretty down to earth how can you get what's the most down to earth i'm not even sure i know what that means down that fellow's down to earth the more you say it it's like kind of stoner saying a funny word i idioms like i don't forget what they mean eventually 
down to earth. I hope I'm down to earth. I'm not way up there. I'm in the earth. I'm earthy like mushrooms. That's me. I'm not, no pretenses here, except that I'm pretending. That's, I guess that's very pretentious. Hmm. No, I'm, uh, my goodness. I'm, I feel like I'm, I hope you're earthy. Are you also earthy? No, that means something different. Uh, Mm, somebody smells kind of earthy. Did we say that in the English language? Oh, I hope we do. I hope I'm giving you some kind of information. How's our car trip going? Where are we? Are we there yet? I know that a lot of people will listen to my, I call it work. It's no work, believe me. But we'll listen to my shows when they travel. They'll put one in. They're driving somewhere and say, Hardy, you've kept me company on many a long car trip. I said, thank you. What did, what did we talk about? I don't know. The, before I know, the time was just, it just, uh, what do you call it when it goes, you're slowing it down, Hardy. Come on. It just flies when I'm with you, Hardy. And sometimes I don't want it to fly, you know. I, like I was with you the other day, like I had a, Somebody I, I know and love was dying, and I just I didn't want them to go. And we were listening to you, and it just went so quickly. And then, and then he went so quickly. And I didn't want you to speed up time. I wanted you to make it, make it last. That's why also this show does that. You say, it's going excruciatingly slowly for me, Hardy. That's because you might be right in the middle of a beautiful, joyous moment that you want to extend into eternity. Oh, I know that feeling. I once discovered a whole underground civilization in the desert in Africa when I was exploring it in the 19th century in my imagination. And let's just say they had light bulbs or something. I don't want to get into this. How did they grow things or survive? It was all about time. I just wanted to say that there's different ways of looking at time. And if we didn't look at it in a cycle, you might look at it just in a straight line. You say, well, when is it then? Is it my birthday? Well, in a way, that's a meaningless, you know, how many years old am I? You can divide up your life into any segments and say you're that many. But what if we, instead of keeping track of time with light or seasons or anything like that, we just kept track of time with um, maybe events? I mean, maybe we're missing things that don't happen in a regular way because... We're so uh, accustomed to wanting things to be kind of circular. So what if the universe is very strange and, and, and mystical? And what if somebody says, uh, when somebody says marmalade toast like that, it may sound like it's irregular, like oh, no, two years later they say it and you've noticed they've said it. But maybe those things are actually marking some sort of important uh, place in time. You know, time is largely about perception, isn't it? And we're very much locked into calendars and years. I have my shows on every week and it's one hour, isn't it? Or is it? You know? This doesn't feel like the same time last year. I don't remember what that means. I do believe that there's a different way of keeping track of time or that perhaps time doesn't need being kept track of. Maybe it knows where it is. Maybe we're trying to find our place. We're so desperate trying to figure things out that timekeeping is just another way of collecting omens and spells. We look for things and patterns that are predictive and then we find them and record them and say, when this happens, this shall happen. And so you look uh, for patterns, you're going to find them because of this strange place we live in with the, the planets and everything. You'll find very regular patterns. But what about the irregular ones like prime numbers? What about those? Why can't we just keep track of prime numbers? Maybe that's uh, timekeeping. So I like to break things up a little, a little differently. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to treat time like it doesn't go in just one direction or that it's not just a, uh, how many years you've been on WFMU? One. One big one. Uh, what I call a year is the 
amount of time between right now and when I started. I will always be on WFMU for one year. Because to me, that means the amount of time between when I started and now. Oh, how old are you? One. That's the amount of time between when I was born and now. One unit. What about now? One. See how that works? Oh, it's confounding. Now, I didn't do very well in math. Uh, these ideas are not interesting to math teachers or humans, other people. But they are to me, and I love that. I love that my own questions can keep me occupied. And nobody else has to interfere with that, and I don't have to impress anybody. And that's good, because I have not done that uh, yet. I'd love to be impressed. How could I be impressive? I've, I've been impressive by, uh, by defying expectations. Now, if somebody has low expectations for me, and then I do something, they go, oh, that's amazing. You know, your art doesn't look like you're an elephant. And say, so, well, thank you, you know. So that's good. And, um, you know. I don't need anything more than that, I don't think. I feel loved already. Now I'm just being greedy. A lot of it. I would like to know more, but then again, like I just said, I know that that's, you know, if, you've, if, you're, uh, if you're in the ocean and you're just taking, say, I need another scoop of water, you're in the water. It's pointless to want more. You're floating in it. Uh, or to have more of something that's infinite is just is a bit silly. So what information I have is, is fine. It'll come into me whether I want it in, or, in me or not. Uh, I am in a constant state of curiosity. So I don't need to remind myself to go looking for things. I'm always uh, trying to look at things and figure them out. I love it. That's because I know I'm confused. I worry about you if you don't know you're confused. You might think you know where you are or what you're doing or what's going on. And boy, you can get blindsided. Boy, that's a way to get tricked. If you think you know what's going on. If you think you know who people are, you might, you might get tricked. But I'm a little difficult to trick because I'm already in the process of tricking myself. And so I'm a little tied up at the moment, and you can trick me later. Oh, my friends, are you glad to be here? Yes, Hardy, in a way. I don't know who you are. I'm a new friend. <gasps> oh, hello, new friend. I just want to say that I'm so glad that you're listening if it's the first time. And that what we like to do here is just open our hearts and be our true selves. And we believe that our true selves are bizarre and uh, not something that's easily figured outable. And so in my strangeness and in my surreal sincerity, I hope to uh, provoke something, inspire something in you and make you more comfortable with the part of yourself that is a little more chaotic, that doesn't have things figured out, um, that is uh, both fearful and confident at the same time. I want you to be in, part, uh, in touch with the part of yourself that does not mind contradictions or inconsistencies, that's just perfectly content being a bunch of different things at once. And oh my goodness, if I can do that, if I can help with that, I know that it's achievable because I know many people that have, are there and they are, have you heard of them? No, because sometimes what will happen is if you do get there, you will become the type of person that nobody has heard of. So along with this beautiful state comes obscurity. And I hope you don't mind that, because if you were to want to be something to a lot of people, then that thing has to be kind of consistent. you got to be that to a lot of people, and then you're locked in and frozen. So if you got to be Tom Hanks, you got to be Tom Hanks to a lot of people. Tom can't vary that greatly. And maybe he does inside, but then if he does it inside, he's creating a, a, a conflict between inside and outside. And there's just some things that he cannot do or express and still be that to all those people. You know? So, uh, I have no... It's not... I'm not pitying uh, superstar celebrities. No, bless the heart. That's a wonderful way to 
go through life. And I wouldn't mind it at all because you know what? I like those kind of um, traditional indulgent vacations and things. Oh, that'd be lovely. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say I don't like a luxury hotel. Boy, do they understand humans. I think that a lot about things that are intended for the super wealthy. You go, oh, whoever put that together, they know what it's like to be a people. Because boy, oh boy, a fluffy bathrobe or a warm bath or something like that. Or look at that buffet. That speaks to me as a human being. And a lot of the, maybe the budget hotels don't do that. And they give you the minimum, you know. You know, they assume that you're not, that maybe you're a, you're like a husky or something. It don't mind where it, it don't mind where it sleeps. Um, it, I, I, my goodness, I hope that I've given you some sort of beautiful room in this hotel. I view I use hotel as an analogy a lot of times, a place with many many rooms, an infinite amount of rooms. You can come in and go as you please, and they're all very different. They're all change every day. If I have, if there's any recurring dream I have, it's got to be the hotel dream where we're supposed to be checking out, but I put all my worldly possessions in the hotel, and I'm like, how am I going to move out? I've got this is, it's a hotel room, but I've treated it like an apartment, and I got to take all my stuff out. And what's going to happen is I'm about to lose all my stuff. And maybe I'm thinking now that that's an now, like I'm thinking about death. I bet that's how death feels. He said, but I got, but all my stuff is still there. What's going to happen to it? And I was like, well, not yours now. Um, That's probably what's going on. I'm I'm sorry that I figured that out on the radio because now I'm sad. No, I'm not sad. I'm glad because I'm with you. It's hard to be sad when things are shared. Listen, there's two things that when they're shared, they're better. One is cake and the other is poison cake let me finish when we share cake we get to experience not just our joy but the joy of others when we share poison cake we are much less likely to ingest a fatal dose of poison because it's been divided up among a lot of people so things shared whether they are good or bad are always better you cannot go wrong sharing things. And I know that that's not popular right now, that cooperating and sharing and everything have really gone out of fashion. And I'm not even being sarcastic. They literally have. They're literally out of fashion as values. They say, you don't know, don't, you know, if I share, then I don't get any. <laughs> I was like, when did that, when did that, uh, People start thinking that. That's not how that works. Of course you get something. My goodness. Yeah, but I tell you, if you're going to dehumanize others, you're going to get dehumanized. You can't dehumanize others and not dehumanize yourself. You're all going down a bad road if you do that. Oh, if you turn other human beings into worthless nothing, you have inadvertently turned yourself into worthless nothing. Because you are they and they're... No, it's true, though. And uh, it's a very bad place to go, uh, ethically, morally. And you will, you will always, always plunge into the abyss and destroy yourself. Uh, it's, it's very sad, and it's been going on for a long time. And I would love to go... I wonder if, I, if, if there was a time machine and you could tell me where it started, it'd be so much easier just to go there and put a stop to it. Things have really cascaded terribly now domino effect over you know years and years of people making bad decisions seems to not end oh what if i could take your hand and we could make good decisions together how are we gonna do that hardy with my five point plan i want you to get on the phone right now and call up get this pamphlet and then we're gonna get a mail to you then you get it then you're gonna get the tape series then you're gonna no, none of that. You don't have to do anything. This is a lazy man's quest here. Being a Hardy White fan is just for the lazy. And if you have attention deficit, whether it's diagnosed or self-diagnosed or whether it's just, uh, you know, occasional, 
I am your man. This is where you want to be because your attention is not really needed. What's needed is your presence and your feelings. And you don't have to think about much. And then we can go places without having to use all of our intellect all the time. I feel like these gymnasiums now that we have, people go to gyms and everything else and they exhaust themselves. You know, they're getting fitter and everything, but really they're tired all the time and they're having to either eat more or less. Or, oh. So they just, they work very hard and they do the equivalent. Even if they have a desk job, you know, they do the equivalent of, of hauling uh, uh, bricks and building pyramids, you know, like the, the Egyptians, you know, toting these large... Uh, stone cubes behind them. I don't know whether they're cute. I don't know what the shape is. And uh, But that's a lot of work, and they do that at, at gyms now, and they get exhausted. And then they, then they have to worry about their, so oh, i got to get more protein because I'm just I'm expending so much of it. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to this gym. I'm having to lift things. Now, I'm not saying that's not great, but, you know, maybe there's a way to integrate it into your work. You know, so that you're you're getting the, I don't know. So let's say you're in marketing, doing marketing, do marketing while you're hoeing. I don't know exactly, but you could you could probably integrate it into your survival. So you chop some wood. You're chopping wood, and at the same time, you're doing a quarterly report. I guess in your you could either do it in your head or you could chop the figures into the wood. Mm, do it like that, but I, I would. It's it's really much nicer when the, when your when your effort produces something. You know, we put a lot of work and we 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 wear ourselves out, and we've got little to show for it. So you go to work and you type zeros and ones into a computer, basically. Ticket, 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 ticket. That's your work. Show show me what you've just done. I can't. It's all it's all electrical. Then you, you go to the gym and you expend all these, ga- these calories. And you say, show me what you did. I just sweated it out on the gym floor. That's great. I built the Taj Mahal out of bottle caps while you were doing that. So both, all of it's pointless. Um, but then I have something, a structure that I can charge tourists to come see. Say that I did an uh, art brute masterpiece. I'm a crazy person. And you pay me a quarter and you can come see my Taj Mahal made out of bottle caps. And also, I've got mold. I let food get moldy and I have a museum of that. I might have just stolen that from Arthur. I think I did. I think Buster Buster Baxter, the bunny, had a mold, moldy food museum. Hmm. Wish I could write my own. Wish I was clever enough to come up with my own ideas. I feel like that. I'm using a language I didn't even come up with. This English thing. I I even speak it like other people spoke it. Not only did I mean I steal jokes, I steal grammar. You know, terrible. I wish I was more original. I guess. Uh, I I guess that just comes with. What does that come with? Experience. I've got a lot of it now. That's another disconcerting thing. Is that now, now that I have a lot of experience, I have fewer excuses. Well, you've been doing this radio thing for a long time, Artie. Yes. And are you getting any better? What do you mean by that? I don't know what that means. Am I supposed to get better? What am I supposed to be doing? I don't uh, think... I've been on the radio now a really long time, my, my, most of my adult life. And I would say that the impact is not, uh, you know, this kind of increasing. I never feel like I'm getting better at anything. What I do feel like is that the longer that you're doing something, the more likely there's going to be an interesting experience. So every once in a while, I feel like I connect with somebody. And I feel like I say something that is inspiring or entertaining or interesting or could get somebody thinking about something or doing something. And that doesn't, I don't get more of those over time. They just happen when they happen. 
but they can't happen if you're not there. So I try to be there doing my thing all the time just in case things align, planets align, and you and I start to vibrate at the same frequency and I say something that gets through to you and you've been having some kind of maybe even pain or, you know, some kind of emotional discord or something and I say something and it puts you at ease and maybe you feel uh, some comfort from it. Now I've done a spectacular thing and it doesn't matter whether I'm good at a thing or whatever, that it happened is amazing. And that's the thing I give thanks for. So I'm just lucky that I keep fooling whoever I'm fooling to be on the radio so I can set up those chances of that happening. Oh, if you had a good feeling, then I have succeeded. And that's important to me. That is important to me. Oh, my friends. You are uh, part of a radio experience, and you are part of a family. And like any family, you don't want to know most of the people in it. Um, you didn't do anything to be family with them. You just both listened to the same radio station, and it made you family. And you go, well, that's the, does that really make us family? Does anything make you family? Because, you know, you meet your cousins and you go, I don't know, I don't feel like, you know, we have much in common. And you say we're related, you know, and we are, but you're related to everybody. So every human's your family. We're all family. My goodness, deal with it. And uh, your, your radio is a family. All these people listening to different things on WFMU are going to like different things. They can't, they don't all like the same shows. There's nobody who likes every show. Except for me. So I have no problem liking every show. It really drives me crazy that people don't. How could they not? What's not to like? Really? Like how high is your, is your damn bar? I like it all. All sounds good to me. I can put on, and I'm not, I know I'm not alone. You can put on, um, there's people to put on FMU when they wake up and they turn it off never. And then they um, just keep it on all the time. And that's psychotic. But that's okay. Bless their hearts. Um, I, I really do. I really do like it all. And I'm very, very lucky to be uh, part of it. What part are you? Little, little funny little part over to the side. Little skin tag. I'm a skin tag on the, on the body of WFMU. But I'm here. I'm like a, maybe I'm a mole. You go, I didn't recognize that. I recognize FMU because of, of Hardy. Because he's a little little uh, defect on there. It stands out. Oh, my goodness, we're all little defects, aren't we? No one of us is any kind of complete anything. We complete one another if there's anything to be completed. And you certainly do that for me. I am worthless and pointless without you. Really, truly, it, uh, absolutely, well, this is a, a mutual endeavor. You have to be, you have to believe for me to have any kind of effect. If you, if you say, I'll listen to, and this is absolutely true, if you say, I'll listen to Hardy, but I know I'm not going to like it, you would tell you're going to hate it. Because it really is a, it's a matter of faith. And why not? Why not just say you're going to like it and like it? What harm is there? I don't understand that. I put up a music video the other day and some older fella in another country, bless his heart, bless his heart, truly, I'm not even a little bit angry, said, I don't like this kind of music. And I was like, why, why, why don't you stop your day to press dislike and then write you don't like it? Like, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I had no idea it was going to affect you that way. So um, anyway, bless you. Uh, <laughs> but it was helpful to me because I... I don't know. It wasn't helpful to me. Oh, my friends, you are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online worldwide, WFMU.org, Freeform Radio. The way that Freeform Radio does the thing that it does in you, as well as, as I was moving on. And I thank you so much for listening, and I will see you again next week.
name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Twins 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 name was Ebony. Thank you. 